What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome to Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be in on a Friday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal is in. We are loaded up. Plenty of football thoughts today. Husker baseball gets rocking against Sparty. And uh, the good doctor is in. Derek Peterson going to join us in about 20 minutes from HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. Pride of Fairbury's Bill Dolman, NBC Sports. And uh, we'll hear from him and then sit down with Jay Moore. We'll talk some spring football with just a week, man. A week from the spring game. That is outstanding. The weather's turned uh, for the better. It's uh, warm and sunny, at least here in eastern Nebraska. So excited about that. Uh, some thoughts on what Kansas City has done to, uh, to upgrade their offensive line. The college football geeks have been busy mulling over what to do with the college football playoff. Do we expand? How much do we expand? And yes, you'll have no 15 overtime, 74-72. Everybody covers uh, overtime score fest. You'll see that never again between A&M and LSU. Rules changes for overtime. Numbers to get in, 466-3776-466-3776. 76-800-825-5865. And you uh, can find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio, Chris Schmidt at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. And uh, always fire the email up if you want Chris at HaleVarsity.com. So we're a week out. How you feeling? How you feeling about uh, your Nebraska football team as you head into spring? Elijah, I know you were chomping at the bit to get down there last Saturday didn't work out uh we were there and uh a lot of us will be there here a week from tomorrow and you know Mitch Sherman's our uh, a weekly guest of ours does an amazing job with Nebraska for the athletic and you know he asked a very simple question in his story today uh one of three questions here and we can uh, ponder this here and it's it, it's probably a pretty quick answer for a lot of Nebraska fans. Did you lose any amount of faith last football season in the Nebraska offense? Little lapse in faith with the offensive side of the ball. And the the quick answer is yes. And I can tell you why. And I don't I don't think that the offense Scott Frost ran at Central Florida or what they did at Oregon, and you've seen glimpses of success in Lincoln, but you haven't seen it translate into wins, right? So do I get frustrated with the offense? Yeah. If I'm a Nebraska fan, absolutely I do. Have I ruled out it working? No, I haven't. Because I think there's potential for, for the right personnel. They've always kind of been searching for that, haven't they? 
that they've been searching for more than one guy at wide receiver for the last couple of years. They've been searching for more than one guy to lean on at running back the last couple of years. Uh, they've been working on a lower number of, of guys they feel good about on the offensive line, expanding that beyond five. All right. And then you, you factor it all in. I guess my biggest concern is look, these guys get paid a ton of money. They're smart football minds. And yet, I think some of the play calling that was uh, submarined by execution, right? What, what's the, what's the, the play that drives you almost batty? And it's, it's the play that, that blew up against Illinois, the old swing pass to the sideline. And it's the play that lost you nine yards against Minnesota opened things up, the swing pass. That's supposed to work because there's perimeter blocking and you got a guy in space going to miss make a, a one-on-one tackle miss it's supposed to work it's worked before yeah it worked for a, what, a 70 yard touchdown against colorado maurice washington that's yeah, like that's that's that, the highlight of the swing pass right <laughs> and that was like the, the, at its basic right we're in boulder for that nebraska needs to answer what do they do they dial up the old dirty swing pass mo catches it tiptoes along the sideline and beats everyone who had like five people plus ralphie who had an angle on him <laughs> And he gets to the end zone. Nebraska takes the lead again. So I don't hate the play. I hate how it's been executed. And that comes to mind because it's a momentum zapper. It's a tackle for loss. And I know the play should have been overturned to the Illinois game. It wasn't. And it started snowballing on you. So some of the play calling, maybe some of the stubbornness, right? That's how it feels with... Why aren't you just lining up and running the football? The easy response to that, the rebuttal is, dude, I don't trust my offensive line, uh, and I'm trying to get our athletes in space. Th- that would be that would be an answer, not not an answer you can get publicly because it would crush your offensive line's confidence. But when Nebraska's like wanted to run the football, when you've seen a little bit of pistol formation. All right, and they've gone double tight. They can get downhill and run the ball. It's what are they choosing to do? How do they want to go about their business? And you've seen them put up yards against Iowa. You've seen them put up yards against Northwestern, at least last year, where they've they've come back from double-digit deficits to get a, a, a one-score lead, either by three or by seven, and you've not been able to hang on. You've seen the defense make some some growth. I think the offense can grow, but when push comes to shove, when I, have I lost faith? Yeah, I don't have as much confidence in it, but am I ready to punt it? No. Are they going to get it figured out is the thing. Can they, can they be sure of what they want to do? And we kind of get back to that identity question, don't we? Where when they've wanted to run the ball, they've leaned on Adrian to do it. Are they still going to have to do that as good as he looks running the football He's a lot smaller, Adrian, running the football right now, at least how he looks in spring. So can you find some other running backs to do work for you? Maybe that is yet. Maybe he goes beyond the spring storyline. Maybe Step gets healthy. Maybe Irvin's the real deal. And uh, they got a, a gem as a young back. It could be all good by fall. But I'm not sure of, of, of some of the play calling and for sure some of the execution – when, when one of those two things go wrong on a given play, 
or you're out of sync or your special teams is given Iowa and Northwestern and whoever in Minnesota uh, 45 to 55 yard fields to drive. That's why you, that's why you're uh, sub 500. It's not all on the offense. It needs to get better. And I think there's some pieces for it to get better. Is it going to be Big 12 slash Big 10? Tim Beck, 40 points a game. You can say a lot of things about Beck and the Nebraska offense, but they put up points while they transitioned to the Big Ten. Uh, Nebraska's offense really didn't do that much under the Riley era, and you've seen glimpses. You've seen explosions of this offense go off. Nebraska, uh, in, in two of the first four years, a lot of times scored enough points to win. Defense didn't do enough to shut down the other guys scoring. Yeah, and Husker fans for for years now, um, since Scott Frost has been here, there's been complaints about the play calling. I've heard it since year one. I mean, I remember back to the Colorado game whenever uh, Nebraska has the lead at home and they're snapping the ball with 20 seconds on the on the play clock in the fourth quarter. I mean, there's been issues from the start. The question is, is do these play calling errors stem from a lack of, of talent and a lack of players in the right place in the offense, or is it the other way around? Is the play calling bad because the, the players aren't executing? Well, and there's also the management side you brought up with time and situation and what you're doing. But I think if you if you pulled Nebraska fans around the state from border to border, their their answer would be yes. I think there's a loss of faith in in the offense. Now, is it like you've given up, you've stopped worshiping <laughs> type of loss of faith? Have you gone agnostic or atheist on the Nebraska offense? I don't know. No is my answer, but there's just enough head scratching from last year where you can go through a lot of moments in a lot of games where you're getting that three and five result where you do something a little different, something breaks a little bit different. You know what? You flip it around. Maybe you're 500. Maybe you're a game over 500 uh, with this team. And just like the Minnesota game also sticks out where – they had 33 guys and a defense that allowed seven yards a carry. And Nebraska scored in that game on the ground, but Nebraska didn't come out imposing the ground. Now, I'll say this. You had a lot of Wandale that game because, you know, Mills was still nursing a knee. But you didn't have or you didn't feel like you could go to anyone else in that running back room aside from Wandale and Mills, Right. You got to be able to do that this year. You got to be able to look in your running back room, assuming your offensive line can get it done for you. And and based on what we've heard from Greg Austin, you feel like the offensive line's ready to to be better and take a step. And they're while still being young, but you've got to be able to look at two or three dudes and have them ready. And two or three dudes need to be ready. Uh, there's only so much a staff can do. They can give you the playbook. They can rep you and rep you and rep you. You got to know what the hell they're asking you to do as well. So it, it's a two-way street there. But just some of the moments where, all right, what's your game plan? How are you going to come out? What are you scripting? All right, this is what the defense is weak at. Why did you go against the grain with it? Why are you throwing the football versus going against a team in Minnesota that's depleted? 
And why didn't you try running the football to start out? I mean, easy to armchair and second guess, but those are some of the situations that, that make Nebraska fans slam the brakes on and go, what, what are they doing? Yeah, and, and it brings back the, the question I asked, which was, are, are they throwing the ball against that Minnesota team because they're trying to be too cute? They're, they're calling that in spite of their talent, or are they calling it because of their talent, because Diedrich Mills is out hurt? They're wanting to avoid the ground game, and they want to beat him through the air. And that's the question I think will get answered this year, because I think people can see there's good talent in most of the positions. Running back still up in the air, but there's a good good base at offensive line. You have a four-year starter, uh, Adrian Martinez, mm-hmm. quarterback. Then you have uh, Samari Toure, a very experienced wide receiver, and Omar Manning, who's got just worlds of athleticism. That's that You just hit on it. It's the wide receivers, right? So, you know, your counter could be, dude, there's nobody getting open in the receiver room. <laughs> there's no one to throw the ball to aside from the tight ends that's ready. So it doesn't matter if... Uh, we need to run the football. Minnesota's not, res- just as an example, Minnesota's not respecting our passing game. So they're going to load up against the run. So if there's 400 guys in the box there, doesn't matter how good your offensive line is or how good your running back is, uh, it's it's problematic to try and force force it. I think a lot of times Nebraska probably felt like they had to throw it to be able to run it. You know, let's let's throw the football to open up the run game. We'll get into this a little bit more with uh, Bill Dolman. We'll talk to Derek Peterson a little bit about it here coming up. Yay or nay, uh, the college football powers that be are mulling over, expanding the college football playoff to maybe six, maybe eight, maybe, maybe 16. Now, there's still five years left on the – Fourteen college football playoff, you could set up and expand, and you could expand and then amend your deal and and make this thing a little bit more inclusive where you're going to get all of your, your Power 5 league champs, and then maybe you look at Notre Dame, or if they're still dating the ACC, maybe you look at Clemson and Notre Dame as, as a one-off. Cincinnati's been good. BYU's pretty had had their moments. Boise's always been a pretty pretty good uh, group of five team, and Central Florida has been a good program, obviously. So I don't know if you're opening it up to include more of the little guy, or if you're opening it up to all right, somebody's got to lose between Alabama, Florida, and Georgia in the SEC championship. Somebody's got to lose between Oklahoma and Texas or Iowa State in the Big 12 championship. Okay, Ohio State's going to take on who from the West? All right, the West isn't bad. You have Iowa that's pretty decent. Wisconsin's always seems to be knocking on that door, uh, and their reward has been a group a, a, a New Year's Day Six Bowl, okay, but it's not been the playoff, and, and they're good enough. And then there's the Pac-12, because the Pac-12's made the college football playoff only a couple of times with uh, Chip Kelly's Oregon squad, obviously. And then Washington is the only Pac-12 team to make the, uh, the four-team playoff. They've been a milk carton, man. They've, they've had a, a good Rose Bowl representative they've not had a playoff team since Washington. Yeah, and I think all you need to, to not fix this playoff, but the, the logical next step is just give teams a mark to shoot for to make it into the playoff. Win your conference championship game, 
uh, and as a Power 5 conference member and you're into the college football playoff. It's what they do in European soccer. We were talking about the, the Super League earlier this week. Uh, in England, if you finish in the top four, you get to go play in the Champions League next season. That's how it works. You have an attainable goal to hit. If you win your conference in college football, you should have the opportunity to go compete in the biggest scale and go play for the college football playoff. So give me six or eight, either f- the five automatic qualifiers and then either one or three uh, teams that are selected. Here's the thing, too. Your runner-up in the Big Ten or the SEC may be better than your your Big 12 champ. Not necessarily Oklahoma, all right, but say Iowa State would have upset Oklahoma last year, and that came down to the wire. Give me give me a, a Georgia or a Florida or a Bama or an Auburn or an LSU as as an option to expand this playoff. And all right, so you, you get a USC or an Oregon that wins the Pac-12, great. But a lot of instances, your second or third place Big Ten or SEC team could go toe to toe with your Pac-12 champ. You grow it, you expand it, you'll get all of it in there. All right, off and running on a Friday. Derek Peterson's up next. Hail Varsity. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And we're back. Fellas, think we could listen to the radio? On Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes, that's awesome. Good to be with you, Tail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbert, we welcome in with HailVarsity.com and Magazine, Derek Peterson, Dr. Petey, as he's known at Dr. Petey HV on Twitter. Derek, what's up, man? How's your Friday? It's good. I'm not fully vaxxed, uh, so I am uh, patiently waiting for my superpowers to kick in. How are you? I'm good, man. Are we going a little uh, Captain America? I mean, do you, do you feel like uh, that's going to happen for you back when uh, they uh, they put old uh, Steve in the, well, uh, well they strapped, hoping, they strapped him for, in and shot him up, and, and he grew uh, two Bucky feet. <laughs> so you want a fake arm. I, see, right. <laughs> I, I, would, I would not say no to a, a two-feet random growth spurt overnight. I will tell you that right now. You and I would I not say no to that. Both on the same page. I'd have to, <laughs> Get like an entirely new wardrobe. I don't think I can afford to do that. But I would not say no to suddenly looking like inverted Dorito chip Steve Rogers. Yeah, yeah. He needed to do more leg days. But hey, it is what it is. So I got a question for you here, and it's kind of in reference to the Nebraska offense. And you know what? What is as you look at it? Put your put a football fan hat on. All right, and. Just say you're you're checking out Nebraska from the stands. What has frustrated you most about the Nebraska offense? Um, the penchant for mistakes. Okay, because uh, they always seem to they always seem to come at the worst time. Um. So I mean, you're talking about the you're talking about the false starts on like second and five after you. You picked up a big first down, and then you got a nice five-yard run on on the next play, and then you get second and five, and you get a false start or a holding penalty or something. Um, you're talking about the fumble as you're three plays into a drive that's moving down the field. Um, you're talking about the, let's say, missed downfield throw where mm-hmm. the guy is open, um, and then you know you, you miss the throw. And then the next play, you get sacked or something, or you get a holding penalty or something like that. Um, it's been untimely mistakes. 
And I don't really know if you can chalk that up to just an overall lack of discipline. I don't know if you can chalk that up to like a terrible culture. I don't think they have either of those things. I think they've been undisciplined. I don't think they have a bad culture. Um, but that's probably uh, the thing, just mm-hmm. watching this offense the last couple of years, is probably the most frustrating, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, like from a, from a decision-making standpoint, I mean, obviously, you know, if you, if you take what the coaching staff has said, if you take what Adrian Martinez has said at face value this spring, I think you feel a little bit more optimistic that things will change. Um, I'm really curious what we're going to see in the spring game. I'm really curious if we're going to see sort of a, if they try to um, show off the passing game a little bit, maybe try to get some goodwill back within the fan base. That's kind of like, all right, well, we just need to, you know, we just need to get to the season. We're not going to believe anything you say. I'm curious if it's going to be watered down, um, what that passing game will look like, because it will also tell us kind of how the offensive line is going to hold up against the front seven that they're going to have to go against. Um, we'll be able to see, you know, a little bit more of, of, you know, the, the emphasis that they have placed this spring. Um, if, if that has sort of taken hold in practice, if they're a little bit cleaner, if they're a little bit more explosive down the field, what the decision-making is like from Adrian. Um, and I don't think it's just going to be like a, um, a fun day for Adrian Martinez to go through as a quarterback this upcoming weekend. I think it'll actually be um, sort of a, not a major kind of evaluation tool, but I think it'll be something that'll give us a little bit of insight into kind of if we're going to get more of the same this fall or if we're going to get a little bit different offense than we've gotten these first three years. You know, you can think back to, to past examples of kind of feast or famine offensively, and there's been games where the offense has scored enough to win and there's been shootouts. You look at the Illinois game, on the road a couple of years ago. You look at the the Northwestern debacle in overtime. You look at both Colorado games, okay, where different personnel, but you feel, I think, pretty good about the personnel you have, specifically in the wide receiver room, right? I mean, based on the talent, the size, the speed, the athleticism, and options, it's not just one guy uh, that you can go to. I just wonder... Nebraska's been good at running the football when they've chosen to run Mm -hmm. the football. And they have leaned on Adrian to do it. They need to lean on uh, someone else, obviously. When Mills is healthy, they were good at running the football. When Ziggy was back there, they were good at running the football. When they chose to give it to to, Wandale uh, out of the pistol against Minnesota. They went down the field running the football. So, man, out of sight, and he is already out of your mind. Incredible. Well, I had, I had a long dramatic pause, dude. Forgive me. It's Friday, <laughs> and there's no <laughs> vodka in sight right now. So, I'm saying, they, they, are they going to feel like obligated with all these receivers to chuck it, or do you think they'll hunker down and try and ground and pound? I mean, I still think at the end of the day, this is an offense that wants to to establish itself as a run first yeah, offense. Same. Um, I I don't have the number in front of me, but I want to say they were, I want to say like between 56 and 59%. No, that's too high. 54, they're, they're, they're around there. They're around run there. rate last mm-hmm. year, um, relatively high. They were, they were um, I want to say in like the top 35, top 40 um, nationally in terms of run rate. Um, I, I still think that's going to be the case. 
Um, because like, you know, the thing too, like because Marquise Step hasn't been available for this spring, it, it's been, I think there's been a little bit of a hubbub about what's going on at running back. Mm-hmm. I, you know, and maybe I'm, maybe I'm completely wrong at this, wrong with this take, which I, if we get to the fall and it proves that I'm wrong, then I will absolutely, I'm not too terribly concerned about Step missing the spring right now. And I still think that he's sort of the, the odds on favorite to be the, the top guy at running back. Now, if like we get like, and I've said this before, if we get to the fall, we get into the you know the late summer months and, and approaching fall camp, and he's still not 100, percent he's still not ready to go. Then you start worrying. But I don't know that missing, um, you know, on field reps in the spring. He's still around the team. He's still taking those mental reps that Ryan Held talks about. Um, I'm not like sounding alarm bells there. So I still think they have they have their um, the kind of top line guy that they will hope to have. Um, that where you're in a position where you're not panicking, I wouldn't think. Um, so I still think, and I mean, like you said that they were, they were, they've been good running the ball. Um, they've been good running the ball in large part because Adrian and Luke, while he was running it, they were both uh, good at making something out of nothing. They were good at turning a collapsed pocket into a seven or eight yard gain or something like that. And so when you're looking at rushing numbers, that looks like a successful play. Um, even if they rely on Adrian less, which I think they're going to in the run game, not to a terrible, de- not to like a drastic degree, but I think they'll rely on him less. Um, even still, you're still going to have, I mean, he's still a, a very capable runner. And if, um, you know, it comes to pass that he is trimmed up, he is in a little bit better shape. He sort of rediscovered that first step quickness he had as a freshman. Um, he could be a little bit more of an impactful runner, which would help. Um, so, Derek Peterson's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Derek, before we move to some college football playoff thoughts, uh, while we're talking th- this run game, uh, I want to ask you, Jacques Yant, are, are you buying stock on the kid? I mean, or do you think he's just getting this this press, this hype, because uh, guys like Marquis Stepper are out hurt this spring? I mean, it's hard to say. Um, right, because, I mean, do you remember the uh, – the spring of 2019, um, the spring that will forever be known as Brody Belt's spring. Um, <laughs> we heard all about Brody Belt. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is not to say anything bad about Brody Belt because he's been good for them. They like him. Um, he's been a good a good teammate for them, a good worker for them. Um, but, you know, there was a lot of Brody Belt talk. There was a lot written about Brody Belt. And then there wasn't a ton in season. Um, so, I mean, we'll see. Uh, there, obviously, there are two completely different backs we're talking about here. Um Yant is six two two twenty five, and like we've seen him in person, and he he I mean he looks like a big dude. Um, he looks like a big running back, and and if he's you know physical enough, we'll see. I I would venture to say that we'll get a pretty extended look at him in the spring game to see what he kind of looks like. Um, and if we get into fall camp, and you know like a Ramir Johnson is still touch and go, and Marquis Step maybe is not completely one hundred percent. You know another guy is struggling with consistency here or there. Um, sure, maybe Yant gets a look, but I think it's maybe a little too early to definitively say, like, yeah, this is the, the spring and the summer of Yant, and we're going to see a ton of him in the fall. Um, you know, I, there, there are still some scholarship options that I think they want to know what they have in. Um, but, you know, we'll see. It, it, it's not, it gives me spring 2019 vibes just because of, of sort of held. Um, even when we came into the spring thinking like hell is going to have all the guys available to him for the first time in a while. Now here we are late in spring. It's like, yep, nope, that didn't happen. 
Um, so a little bit of a similar circumstance. We'll see. Um, obviously not, you know, 100% similar situations. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. I'm not, I'm not totally convinced one way or the other, but I'm not writing him off as a guy that can potentially play in the running back room if some of the, the inconsistency stuff continues with the other guys. Derek, I've got 90 seconds. A quick take on, on your read with Morrison and where he fits in. I still really like him. Um, I'm still, I, I might be like leading the bandwagon at this point. Um, but, you know, we've seen two practices this spring and he wasn't practicing either time. Um, you know, with, with skill position guys, sometimes the greatest ability is availability. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he had, he had an injury and he had COVID as a freshman and um, he's been out for the two practices that we've seen. Now, granted, those could be the only two practices that he missed all spring, but, um, you know, that's, that's what we have to work with. So, I think until he's able to consistently be on the field, um, we're kind of just in in wait and see mode with him. But like I said, I mean, like I, I you know went and talked to him when he was in high school. I talked to the people that knew him when he was in high school and his coaches and things like that. I really like the kid. I think he's an excellent talent. Um, I think he's a complete back. Can turn into a complete back. Um, but you know, got to be on the field to be able to to develop into that. Derek, about twenty seconds. Uh, what can folks hear with the uh, Varsity Club podcast? I had uh, Jacob Padilla and uh, Aaron Sorensen on to talk about um, Nebraska volleyball, sort of the end of their season. Um, and, I mean, like, if you're talking about high-level volleyball discussion, you couldn't have two better people on to talk about it. So really enjoyed that. Go listen to it. Yep, Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, the Varsity Club with Derek Peterson. Dr. Petey, have a good weekend, and we'll catch up next week. Thanks for the time, man. You too, buddy. I will be the Winter Soldier when we talk again. <laughs> there he is. Don't arm wrestle him. You'll lose. Uh, Bill Dolman's on the way. Jay Moore coming up. It's Hale Varsity, a Friday edition. And uh, we're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at halevarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. We're 20 minutes away from Bill Dolman, the pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports. Jay Moore get his take on some NFL stuff and uh, Husker Spring football. Elijah Herbal, Chris Schmidt, and uh, great to be with you. Numbers to get in, 466-377-6800-825-5865. NFL draft thoughts and uh, the Chiefs saying, you know what? Let's get that wall built around Patrick Mahomes. They... Uh, Took care of things. Orlando Brown is off to Kansas City. A total of four picks heading to uh, Baltimore. And uh, I know this uh, about uh, Orlando Brown. Uh, The guy has played (laughs) two consecutive years. We're talking uh, thousands of snaps. And like two holding penalties. He's great. And why not make the call if you're Kansas City and say, you know, we could be seeing Tampa again. B.A. has reloaded that defense. You're going against Denver twice a year, who's good off the edge typically. Gruden's always got some some dudes that can get after the quarterback. And the Chiefs will have a hard schedule as is anyway. Because they were in the Super Bowl yet again. 
So if you're Kansas City, do we free agents? The free go free agency? Do we trade? Do we get? Do we draft? Okay, and we're in no position to move up far enough to get one of the top two tackles. You lost your your stud, former number one over pick, overall pick Fisher to an Achilles. You said goodbye to him. You were walking wounded, not to take anything away from Tampa, but you were you were decimated with your offensive line choices against a defense like that. And to go fix it and go all in, this may be your, your last year. We've been saying this for 100 years. This may be your last year with the enemy. Okay? You've got Kelsey, who's aging. You've got Clyde, who's nice. You've still got Hill. And this is brilliant by Kansas City. You go get a guy like Orlando who can do high-level work, has done high-level work, and, oh, by the way, uh, one of the teams you've had to beat the last couple of years has been Baltimore. So they uh, pulled the trigger on this, and um, they have got it. Uh, they've added Kyle Long. They've added Austin Blythe. Blythe uh, is really underrated ball player from the Rams. He started for multiple years at Iowa at center. I remember talking to him at Big Ten Media Days. So Kansas City saw what they needed another pro bowler and they went out and got him and there you have it so uh the niners ended up keeping trent williams but i'm sure there was some interest and kansas city knew they needed to upgrade they did it yeah and there's been fear i guess in the nfl that's what you want to call it of this run of offensive tackles coming off the board before kansas city picks somewhere in the, the early 20 range uh and there's really two this draft there's really two this draft and uh, you got sewell out of oregon and slater out of northwestern mm-hmm. those are the two guys and i'm expecting both of them to be off the board come pick 20 maybe a little bit after 20 for slater um but i mean you're not, for a lot you're of, not gonna get him for a lot of time there sewell was a uh he was a top ten pick, and now we're not quite sure where he's going to fall. He'll, he'll, if since he's smart, he'll, they'll take him exactly. But since he might be dancing with wideouts and dreaming of high level plays, because Chase is so good after the catch, <laughs> and you've got a decent receiving core in Cincy now. But Burrow, my God, that guy just got bludgeoned. Yeah, you but got, but but then after those top two tackles, I mean, there's three or four guys that people like say they like according to the draft experts who I listen mm-hmm. to they say very good players uh I really like uh, Tevin Jenkins out of Oklahoma State but the knock on all these guys is they just don't have the the upside uh that guys like Slater and, and Sewell have who have all pro potential whereas these other guys are probably going to be solid stars on your offense line but is that worthy of a first round pick Sewell and Slater are good enough at, at run blocking and pass blocking Sewell's the best run blocker at tackle Slater can play tackle or guard for you and uh, he's also very well adapted, at, at clearly a first-round talent, at run blocking or pass blocking. Hymas is going to go third or fourth round, and, and he's, he's very multiple as well. He's talented. But if you're Kansas City, go get, you, you, go you, get this guy. Yeah, you got to lock up your franchise. you got to make sure he's safe uh, in Patrick Mahomes. So you, you, I, I think this is a great pick from the Chiefs because, honestly, you've, you've seen that with Patrick Mahomes – it doesn't matter all that much who the guys are around him. He took that terrible, terrible offensive line to the Super Bowl last year, and if he had one better offensive tackle on that team, they could have 
won that Super Bowl if they just could have kept Patrick Mahomes a little bit more protected just because that's the talent Patrick Mahomes brings. So I really like them. You don't take the chance in the draft on a guy who could not pan out. You go get the guy who you know is a surefire bet to be your starting right tackle next year. We're a week away from the draft, from day two of the draft, and the, the Lions are open to trading their seventh pick overall. The Panthers very open to moving back from number eight. So they're not really in love. I think there's probably three or four guys in this draft everyone's in love with, and one of them they're scared to even bring in, and that's Micah Parsons because of some of his off-the-field stuff. I think the other guy is Pitts, okay? Mm. And I'm anxious to see if Dallas does some wheeling and dealing to trade up and get him. What I'm interested to see is if Atlanta can't trade out of that fourth overall spot, do they go get another talent for, for Matt Ryan? Good, I would draft at, Pitts. At Kyle Pitts. Uh, I, I think Kyle Pitts, Pitts is good enough for the fourth overall pick. The question is, is Atlanta going to, uh, if the top three quarterbacks go off the board, the first three picks as we're expecting, mm-hmm. are they going to want to get out of that fourth pick? And are they going to be able to find anyone who gives them what, what, what they want for that pick? Well, and do you, do you like, okay, it's, it's not going to be Lawrence and it's not Wilson and it probably won't be Fields. So do we go with Mac Jones or Trey Lance as the heir apparent to Matty Ice? Or do we just say, you know what? We can get another quarterback at some other point. Let's go get us Pitts and and team him up with Julio and the other kid out of Alabama they've got there. Yeah, yeah. the question to me is, do they say we have more holes in this team to fill than just a tight end slash slot guy in Kyle Pitts? Do we go trade back, get a couple second and third round picks for this pick? Build that way. And and build that way, which, I mean, history has shown that the best way to have success in the draft is just stockpile as many picks as you can because it gives you a better chance of hitting if you have 13 picks as opposed to seven. Well, and, and Detroit, I mean, they went defense last year. Do they go wide receiver this year? Because at seven, you could get uh, Smith, you could get Chase, you get Waddle. All right, the the three premier wideouts in this draft. At seven, you should be okay. I don't think Pitts will be around for you. And if you're Carolina, what do you do? You just uh, signed a quarterback. You still have Teddy. All right, and do you draft a third quarterback, or do you not like anybody really? I mean, what are you going to do? Are you going to get McCaffrey some help? Do you go defense? Do you look at the offensive line? Because Carolina's been kind of a mess that way as well on the offensive line. So it's intriguing, but they're sending up some smoke signals here, right? Between the 7 and 8 spot, maybe uh, maybe this message is, all, all, all is I know. not, you know, it's maybe one of those blind CCs to Dallas right now. I think somebody in that 5 to 10 range really wants Justin Fields with all this negative press we've heard about Justin Fields. I think somebody in 5 to 10 really, really wants him. Oh, big time. Absolutely they do. Who, yeah. I mean, is it is it Carolina? Who, who, who is it that wants Justin Fields so bad? That's what I want to know. There's a lot. All of them would probably be like, yeah, off the record, we'll sure as hell take him. We'll wind down Hour 1. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Got a Husker update here as it is uh, Michigan State weekend. Nebraska on the road in East Lansing. They are up one nothing. Spencer Schwellenbach doing his thing. One nothing. Big Red and RBI double top of four right now. Here's kind of your preview in a minute or less from Will Bolt on Sparty. Uh, I would say team speed uh, stands out with them. Uh, they're they're not necessarily a team that's going to uh, 
hit a lot of home runs. They do hit a lot of doubles, uh, but a lot of guys that can run. They're left-handed at the plate. Um, guys, I mean, we're talking getting down the line with pretty plus speed, um, and they put the ball in play. So it's going to be a challenge for us defensively to make sure that we're on our toes um, and, and that we're ready to, to, to field the ball and, and play catch at a high level. Um, they're going to bunt at times and try to create some offense and, and run the bases well. Um, and they got a good catcher, and they hold runners well. Uh, you know, probably not going to be a lot of free bases that way. You know, stuff that you may not think about when it's maybe not be an error that shows up, but it's a it's a wild pitch that like gives you an extra base. They they haven't done a lot of that. Their catcher has been very good at keeping balls in front of him. He's like I said, he's thrown guys out on the bases. They 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 do a good job on the mound of controlling the running game. So that's something that we like to do. Um, we're not going to change our game, but you know we also need to make sure that we're ready to cash in on some of those opportunities where um, you know runner third, less than two outs. You don't have to have a hit. Just put the ball in play. And, um, you know, they're they're pretty young offensively. Um, and they've played, you know, a, a variety of different guys. But they've got, got a couple of veterans on the mound um, that have been really good. They've got a couple of freshmen that they've thrown in there. So, um, again, I, I say it every week, um, but we just – we got to play well if we want to win. I mean, we've we've last weekend was a I mean, you, true testament to that. I mean, we're in the eighth inning losing on Friday. That series can look totally different if you don't find a way to win that game. You know, we grab that momentum late in that game, carries into the next day. You look up and you got to sweep. So we just got to we've got to play well. We've got to come out ready to compete uh, at a high level on Friday and then just go from there. Let me translate with uh, team speed. That means all them freshmen don't know where the weight room is in East Lansing, and they've not spent time with Uncle Jose in any off-season program in, in Oakland. 2 nothing in the time it took Will Bolt to lay out Michigan State baseball. You had an RBI ground out from Max Anderson. Cam Chick singled earlier in the inning. And it's two love. A great man once said, Utah, get me two. Yeah, and Michigan State's got the team speed, but it was, it was a small ball baseball to score it for the Huskers. Cam Chick gets advanced over to third. Max Anderson drives him in with a, a ground out to shortstop. Uh, I mean, that that's that's baseball right there. Um, I mean, the Huskers have they, – they've relied on the on the long ball a little bit this year, um, but that's good small ball, and that's given Michigan State a taste of their own medicine. So how many, how many foul – Fair foul calls have you hosed in your career? Have I missed? Yes. Oh, fair foul is easy. You don't you don't mess up many of those. Okay. What about the old bunt? If 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 it's creeping and creeping down the left the uh, the left the left to right field line, third or first base line, and somebody touches it too soon, are you just mask off? Fair ball. I mean. I don't mess it up. It's one of the easy calls. In, it's not like uh, it's not like there's any. It's not like your strike zone. Leeway to it. It's not like it's not like a balk where you can go like, was that a balk? Like it's like very clear. Like the ball's either on the line or it's not on the line or it's fair. You would have rung up Andy Pettit like every throw over to first on a balk. <laughs> Probably. It's just been a merry-go-round. Elijah Herbal doing a Yankees game, unearned runs galore. Bill Dolman coming up at Hale Varsity. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. 
Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back into it, it's Hour 2, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and we'll hear from Jay Moore here in about 20 minutes or so. We bring in the Pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports, Bill Dolman with this. Bill, you're counting the hours down, you're packing up the truckster, you'll make your way east for the spring game, true or false? You know, I'm leaning that way. I mean, nothing would be better than making a trip back to God's country. There's no question about that. I just, you know, hoping that uh, you, you know, got a ticket and a place to stay. I got the the place to stay, and and you can uh, log on now, and uh, and and find your way into uh, a well spaced, well ventilated, sunny Memorial Stadium. I don't think I've paid for anything in the last thirty some years, so <laughs> I don't know why I would start now. But I guess I might, you know. Be like the rest of you mortals. No, it's weird, isn't it? Like when you go to a game and, and sit in the stands, it, it's awesome. But that is really weird since you started taking me along 15, 20 years ago. It would be, and I'll tell you this though, it'd be a lot better to sit in the stands to watch a game than to be in my basement calling events from Switzerland and uh, all parts in between, as is the case uh, these days with uh, the business that I find myself in. Which, by the way, I'm sure most people, and I appreciate everybody out there who has been glued to the TV the last oh, two, three days, uh, watching their Zeniths and RCAs, uh, while the Olympic Channel has replayed in its entirety much of the, uh, I should say entirety of them, much of, the, the World Nordic Championships, which uh, are on right now, and so a lot of people I know are watching that, and uh, prior to that, the uh, biathlon season. So I appreciate everybody out there watching that. Because let's face it, if you're if you're not watching it, that's just stupid. <laughs> you got to be doing that. Bill Dolman's with us. Bill, let's talk a little bit about uh, Nebraska. And you know, we'll take probably too much from the spring game, but people are starved with it. There's also the sentiment out there with some frustration with the offense and just. Overall, the lack of progress the program's shown on Saturdays. And I want to get into the offense because I'm a pretty optimistic guy, despite who I'm married to. And <laughs> legit, I, I look at the beer being half full of, okay, the offense can be this, right? And I look back, and Elijah and I hit on it here in hour one, where either their, their game plan was against the grain or there's not there wasn't confidence in being able to kind of just slam the ball get downhill and between the o-line and and mills being dinged last year uh maybe that was part of it maybe they needed to throw the football to open up the run i don't know you can go down a hundred different reasons and you look at the specifically you look at the minnesota game and you're like "Eh." and you look at the illinois game and you're kind of like what and and so I ask you this with the offense, are you are you down on it? Are you optimistic about it? And and what's what's kind of griped you or caused you to gripe about the offense if you could pinpoint a couple of things. What's turned you off? Well, I'm willing 
I'm willing to say that Martinez has not been 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll go with that. Nevertheless, there have to be better decisions that are made at the quarterback position. And that just wasn't uh, – um, he wasn't the one 100% guilty of that. McCaffrey made some bad decisions last year. Um, so I think that there have to be better decisions made. But the thing that has frustrated me the most – about Nebraska's offense, and in, in, in certain respects with Nebraska over the last four years, five years. I, mean, I can go back to the Polini era. I cannot believe how often Nebraska puts the ball on the turf, the number of fumbles, uh, the penalties. And if you go back even last year in just eight games, and I went back and looked at this, it just mystifies me the number of times the ball ends up on the turf with an errant pitch, uh, just not holding on to the rock, whatever the case might be. Last year, Nebraska fumbled 22 times in eight games. Opponents, two fumbles in 13, uh, 13 fumbles, lost two. Nebraska, nine and 22. Two years ago, uh, 12 fumbles lost 27 times. 27 fumbles in 12 games, opponents were 10 and 17. And then you go back to Scott's first year in 2018, 11 fumbles lost, 28 fumbles. So if you go back over the last three years, which is what, 30 games, 32 games, because mm-hmm. the last year's eight, right? Nebraska has fumbled the ball 77 times and lost at 32. 77 times. That's a game. Right, mm-hmm. you average about seventy to eighty plays per game in college football. Nebraska's fumbled it a game. I, I find that to be astounding. That when you have that happen and you have that in your mind, perhaps mm-hmm. uh, that that it takes you away from what you're trying to do. So it's, to me, when I watch that offense, uh, you know, maybe Scott's got the right play dialed in. I don't know. We got the right matchups but you're not holding on to the football and you're not giving yourself a chance. And then you've got the, the Aaron snaps and Jurgen says that he's got that figured out now. And that's great. But there, there are so many little things <laughs> holding on to the football is not a little thing, but there are the little things, the attention to detail that have stymied that offense in so many ways. And, and I, and I say this physically in that you actually do fumble the ball, lose the ball, but then, Mentally, you're not necessarily taking care of it. You're not in a position to take care of it, and and that to me is is really really frustrating because you're completely taking your, you're taking yourself out. And then you look at penalties. Um, you know, last year, 15 more penalties in eight games than their opponents. Uh, in 19 in, uh, in 2019, it was 61 and 66, five fewer. But in 2018, 92 penalties. In 12 games, 14 more than their opponents. I mean, you're taking yourself out of rhythm. You're taking yourself out of opportunities. You're putting yourself in, you know, longer, you know, down and distance yeah. situations. So is it the X's and O's? Sure, I'm sure there are some problems with that and getting everybody on the right page in the playbook. But there are things that just have got to be cleaned up for that team to even be able to execute on whatever page they are in the playbook. 
Bill, it seems like the theme of Nebraska's offense since Scott Frost has been here has been shooting itself in the foot. That's just what it does better than anything else, it feels like. But on, on the flip side of things, the defense, uh, whenever Scott Frost and his staff came in, they, they were sold to us as a uh, as a team that was going to give up some yards here and there. They're going to be on the field a lot. But but what they were going to be able to do was going to be able to generate turnovers and, uh, and splash plays as, as a defense. And do, do you think that they're doing well enough in that job. I mean, we, we saw a pretty good defense last year for this Husker football team, and most of those guys are going to be back. Do you think they're doing well enough at, at generating the turnovers as they're supposed to? Well, last year, two fumbles, they, they, they picked up two fumbles. So two out of 13, they're not, they're not forcing their opponent to put the ball on the ground uh, and, only got, and only recovered two fumbles. So they only picked off five passes last year. So, again, last year's kind of an anomaly, but the, the stats are there. Everybody had to play the same anomalies. Um, is it a is it a defense that has had to mature, has had to grow into whatever it's it's supposed to be? Yeah, probably. And I think maybe this year they'll have the kind of players that are the playmakers that you might see more fumbles, might see more sacks, might see more um, uh, passes picked up. That's an experienced secondary. So I think the promise is there for that offense to maybe be you know, what they wanted it to be finally. But, you know, there there's some other things that you look at, like third down and fourth down conversions by opponents that are better or, you know, I don't want to say far better than what Nebraska has been able to do offensively. But, you know, it, there's a matter of want to. And, you know, have there been, have they had enough players on there that have had the want to? They want to get the opponent off the field. You know, they don't, they don't line up on third down and, and four and just, you know, line up defeated and the the first down and they're gonna give up the first down and just so I, I think that there I think that there is a lot of areas in, in detail that Nebraska both offensively and defensively have got to clean up and get and get dialed in mentally and I think when they do that then physically and that'll come with confidence, then I think then then the then what you see the results you see on the stat page and on the scoreboard will follow. Bill You've been around a lot of football. You've seen a lot of practices. How does 77 fumbles happen? When you practice as much as you do, you've had success as a staff like you've had. Kids have played football for a long time. How does that happen? I don't know. You know, that, that mystifies me. And, and, and maybe I'm looking back at the, you know, the glory days and thinking, oh, you know, well, in the 1990s, we, we didn't fumble once. Well, that's not true. But, you know, it's... I just don't remember having that fear that that ball was going to get errantly pitched, not held on to. Mm. Um, you know, does it come with, with how guys are running and, and keeping the ball loose, uh, not having arm strength? I, I, I don't know, but it just seems something that has been symptomatic of so many football teams that goes back to, you know, even, even into the Polini era, there was like, I can't believe they fumbled again. Well, think and about I, I, think about the Solich, Solich era too. I mean, you had fifty-two fumbles in '99 with with, uh, and I love Dan, Dan yeah. Alexander, but I mean, it, it's happened, and there's been some untimely fumbles. But the way these guys know how to practice or should know how to practice between coaches and players, I would think it'd be eliminated. You would think, but it just it 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 just seems that there is something there where. That, that Nebraska's backs and quarterbacks have had a propensity to put the ball on the turf. And, you know, Adrian had some, I, I can remember last year's just some awful misguided pitches. Mm-hmm. Okay. You're trying to make a play, but at the same time you, you go back 
to the you know to the to the option days in the eighties and the nineties. And again, I, I'm not you know naive enough to think that Nebraska never fumbled. It did, but you think about how often the ball was handed off to to fullbacks and, and cleanly. I mean, that's an instantaneous snap, turn, give, gone. Right? Mm. Uh, how many times you had the, the the pitches on the option that were clean, you know, and not tipped and 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 caught and um, and you know, there's a lot more ball handling going on when you're running the ball forty, fifty, sixty times a game, and yet you didn't have near the fumble numbers and the percentage of fumble numbers that you have now. And so I just find it mystifying that from one year to the next, there isn't significant improvement in holding on and carrying the football. I mean, and you see so many guys that are, that are, that are styling, you know, and they got the ball out there and they're, and they're, when they're trying to make the moves and the ball's free. Um, not everybody's Joe Washington and Billy Sims that can do that. <laughs> you you got to have it high and tight. And uh, I'm I don't expect anybody to go into Andrews Hall with the with the you know the football high and tight for you know their entire English 101 class, but something something has got to be done so that that grip is a lot tighter than it's been over the last god 10 plus years. Good reference with Andrews Hall and yes English 101, <laughs> my friend. Bill Dolman's with us, Sale Varsity Radio, the Pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports at Bill Dolman on Twitter's where you find him. Bill, what's the the number? Uh, once the NCAA powers that be phone you, what's the number you go to here with the college football playoff expansion? Do you stay four? Do you go six? Do you look at eight? Do you go 16, my friend? No, you put everybody in it. Let's just make the, the regular season completely meaningless like the college basketball season. I mean, let's face it. Who pays attention to the college basketball regular season other than, unless it's kind of a marquee game? Mm-hmm. Uh, I say we put all 64 teams in the Power Five conferences into the playoff, and let's just let's just have it out, all right? And let's just let's just go with that. I, I look, I think I think eight's the, the number. I read these articles about well, we've got to take baby steps, and it's got to be, you know, six teams. Okay, so now you're going to let the best two teams have a bye. Does that make any sense whatsoever? No. <laughs> you're you're going to give Alabama and Clemson a bye. Uh, okay. And Ohio State and whoever else sneaks in is going to play three games for the national championship over the course of three weeks. That's not going to work. If you're going to do it, just go eight. Don't do this. Well, we got we got to see what it's going to be like to have six. We're going to study that for another five or six years, and then we'll have a TV contract, and then we'll explore with all of our uh, Poindexter's uh, out there, and then we're, we'll we'll consider eight. Sixteen is ridiculous. That that's just going to completely make uh, most of the regular season, in my opinion, irrelevant. Mm. Go to eight. Call it good. You knew you were going to do it when this whole thing got put together. You know, however many years, ten years ago. So let's just go to eight. Let's call it good, and let's make the teams that get in there earn it. I know it's nice to say we're going to put in one of those group of five teams, but does anybody really think that a group of five team? I know Boise State thinks they belong, but they're not going to go on and win three games to win a national championship. So let's just put the eight absolute best teams in there, no automatic qualifiers, and let's just see who the best team is. Because if you got these AQ things, uh, to me that's just you know handing out a ribbon and saying, well, you did a nice job in the AAC, but now let's see what you can do. You know, come on. They're not going to win the national championship. All right? So let's go to eight. Let's just get it done. Don't tell me you got to have a blue ribbon pandelic, uh, uh, panel of Poindexter's. All right, let's just do it. 
Bill, we will find some accommodations for you when you get into town next Friday for the spring game on Saturday. Let me know if you uh, need help finding seats. Do, do they do they have uh, any rooms at the uh, what is what was it Cornusker Hall there on thirty uh, third and Holdridge? Is that still around? Never visited that one. Oh, okay. Uh, what about that one that was on like twenty seventh or twentieth and O? Is that still around? Uh, Congress Inn or something? It was for prom. It was awesome. Uh, <laughs> Billy D, you take care, brother. Thanks for the time. All right, go big grass. See you yeah. in a week. There he is, Bill Dolman with us. All-State, two-year starter, and rush in for the big run and NFL vet. He's Dudeness or uh, Duder or, uh, you know, El Duderino if you're not into the whole brevity thing. It's Blackshirt, Jay Moore with Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time to get caught up with Blackshirt Husker NFLer Jay Moore, his podcast, More To It. And, of course, you see him on Big Red Wrap-Up. Jay, uh, how much money are you going to win on the course today? <laughs> uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll uh, don't know what uh, the situation is going to look like. It's golf. Every day, uh, every day changes. So, well, I'm just looking. I'm just glad to... Uh, I'm just glad to get out this today, that's all. No, that's good. I, I'm excited. I put you on the spot there. How much are you going to win? It's about playing the game, right? Uh. Yeah, yeah I, I took very, I took a very uh, earthy approach to it, that's for sure. A very uh, Bagger Vance approach to it. But, uh, yeah, sometimes that's what you got to do. All right, I got to ask you here. Uh, Snoop Dogg, President Obama, do you believe they uh, they blazed up together in the White House? True or false on that? Are you calling BS? Or are you going, eh, maybe? Uh, I would lean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, why not, right? I mean, you only live once. I mean, I think Obama's been on record, hasn't he, of, of, of saying back in the day, I mean, sure. that in college, that... He liked the flower, so <laughs> hey, dude, being a, being a being a being a president stressful, man. So I'm all for I'm all for you know doing stress relief. Stuff. You can do a snoop, you know. Could you? I mean, the stuff they probably get, you know, from whoever, you know, that's whether it's Snoop or I. I feel like. You know, he could have had like a secret grow room in the White House. So he probably could have the best stuff ever. So, well, it's it's that it's, would have been it would have been some epic stuff. Well, it's government engineered. You know, you got yeah. you got your top yeah. you got your top minds, your you know Cheetos nerds on it, and get it going. So, spring football. We're uh, we're a week away from the the, the spring game, and I got to ask you. A, as I read into some of the coaches' comments and your teammate Greg Austin earlier in the week, they weren't at their standard, right? So that's up to uh, interpretation just how good a day it was for the defense and how bad a day it was for the offense. Jay, in, in your time, did you ever walk away from a, from a major scrimmage like deflated or did it kind of embolden you to to be better next time out? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the major scrimmages I I look back on, all those were kind of, you know, were in spring or in fall, in fall camp. And, 
You know, most of mine, the defense usually played pretty well, and I played well enough that I felt good about it. I think there was only maybe, you know, one, you know, scrimmage where I think the defense did perform as well. And usually what happens in, in you know, when you're, you're scrimmaging the offense versus defense, or you, you go against each other every day. So normally if one day the defense, you know, kicks the crap out of the offense, Usually they're getting their, their butts chewed in the meeting rooms afterwards. So they're going to be a little more motivated to come out and they might install some new stuff that, you know, the defense you haven't seen yet. So usually your battle, you kind of go back and forth, right? So like one day the defense wins, one day the offense wins. You just kind of go back and forth to do that. Uh, might, might have been one of those days where the, the defense, you know, won, and I'm sure the offense got better. But that's just kind of the – that's – you know, if Greg Austin says offense wasn't up to it, you know, what they were doing, then maybe the day, then you got to kind of look at it. Well, maybe the defense is, you know, continuing to play well. Mm-hmm. And then obviously you're kind of like, well, maybe you get a little concerned because offense has obviously been struggling. But, no, I think you always got to take everything with a little grain of salt. And, you know, they are trying to get better. But it's a, it's a back-and-forth battle between those, those, those two position groups, you know, every day. And you, I, there was, you know, there was sure there was times where, I did, you know, I didn't perform as well as I wanted to, or the defense didn't perform as well as I wanted to. But you know, you learn, you learn, and you and uh, you move on, and you you don't make sure those mistakes don't happen again. You learn from your mistakes. You know, like making mistakes isn't uh, it's practice. Like that's it's practice. Like you're, it's okay to you know have have a setback every now and then because sometimes you you grow more from your setbacks. Mm. So. You know, it's 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 one it's one week. You know, a lot of lot of time left, but you know, it's, I'm sure the defense had a good day, and uh, offense will kind of learn from it and, and build on that. Jay Moore's with us, Hail Varsity Radio at Jay Moore 44 on Twitter. So, what do you believe about the defense? There's some some thoughts that they could be really pretty good. Well, how good is good, right? And you were on some good defenses. You've grown up here, so we've both seen some really great defenses. What uh, what kind of defines a good defense to you, and do you think there's appropriate puzzle pieces back or set to emerge on that defensive side of the ball? Can it be a strength next year? Oh, I think so. I mean, it was a strength this past year, and really you got everyone come back. You lose, you lose Boodle off of that secondary, but, you know, you have – you know, it looks like Newsom that's going to potentially step up. You know, Cam Taylor Britt and, and Dismuke and Williams and all these guys that played a lot of meaningful snaps. But, you know, I always look at the defense, and it's like, okay, it always starts up front. So you have a bunch of guys that played good football. You have Steely coming back. You know, Ty Robinson needs to take his game to the next level. Uh, you have Daniels. You have uh, Rodgers. You have, you know, some younger guys, uh, Phil Darius Payne. You know, so I look, and you had, then you go back to the linebacker crew, which might be the deepest crew. You know, with with Heinrich and Honus mm-hmm. and Reimers, and uh, you'll have to help me out with the kid's last name from Northern Iowa. Um, and so you have that there, but you know, those there's some strength just because there's you, like I've always said, you can't you can't duplicate you know live reps, and only you know, so the, having those guys have the experience, you know, that's uh, that's. That's big time. Uh, the only question mark, and it's, you know, we have been talking about this for a while, ever since kind of Randy Gregory left, is just who's going to be that, 
you know, that dominant edge pass rusher, you know, on when it's, you know, third and six plus, and you need to get off the field, and, you know, you can't, you know, they dial up some good creative blitzes every now and then, but it's, uh, you, you can't do that every time. It'd be nice to find a guy who can win one-on-one or two guys who can win one-on-one, and you can sit back there with six, seven guys in coverage, and you can bring four or five, and, you know, you can win and beat five offensive linemen. And so that's that's still a question mark. But overall, I mean, the, the guys who have played well at a high level last year are all back. You know, you get JoJo Doman coming back, and I mean, you have you have a lot of good players, and that's that's something you can you can build off of. But you know, there's there's still things they didn't do well last year. They they struggled at times. They played really well at times, and they also struggled. So, but they got uh, a lot of uh, senior leadership. You know, guys who are you know fifth or even in their sixth year now taking that extra year of eligibility. So you know, they've uh, most of these guys have, have seen almost everything. So that's that's a plus and. You know, you need to get, uh, you know, Chenander and crew and Rude and, and Fisher and all those guys and, and Dawson and getting Dawson to develop those edge rushers and, you know, and, and setting the edge and getting off the field on third down. That's and creating turnovers and creating more opportunities for the offense. That's, that's what's important. So, I, yeah, it's going to continue to be a strength. You know, it's just can, can the offense kind of get where it needs to be and, and catch up. Jay Moore's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Jay, uh, a thought with um, the offense itself and, what, what's your read into the, the running back situation? I know you're close with Coach Austin, and I think they'll, they'll find a couple of guards, right? I think the offensive line can be all right. I think Adrian looks fine. You know, concern level, it's not that Harburg can't be, can't be really, really good for Nebraska. It's like, do you want to throw him in this soon if, if there's injury? How much does Smothers keep progressing? Yan's been a storyline, and we're just not sure if that's because he's been available or if Nebraska just got a real, real big time steal for his, you know, 6'2, 240 pound thumper back. You know, are you worried about the running back situation? No, I'm not. It's early. I mean, it's, it's spring ball. You know, I mean, it's. I mean, you got Step, who's played a lot of good football. He's mm-hmm. dealing with a little small foot injury. Like I said, if that offensive line evolves and gets better, I mean, you can put an average running back back there. I, you know, I think they're. I, mean, we got, I don't. I think we got more than average okay. guys back there. So I'd be, you know, I, again, I'm focusing on okay, what's the whole line ability to do, mm-hmm. and can they, you know, establish the line of scrimmage and play on the, you know, that two yards on the other side of the of the defense and, you know, get to the second level and get your creases and, you know, get your tempo going. But I, I look at it, I mean, they got tons of guys, you know, you have Step, you have young guys, Gaberv and Marvin Scott, Savion Morris, and uh, you know, you have, there's plenty of guys, and it's just you get, uh, uh, Ronald Tompkins, you know, guys get banged up, that happens, or backs, you know, in this offense, they're running around a lot, and you know you're going to have some soft tissue injuries. So, but I'm not, uh, I'm not concerned what, whatsoever. Now, if you know you were, you know, a couple weeks into the season, and you know guys are getting banged up, then then maybe it's a it's a concern, maybe. But you know, in this in this offense, I think it's, you know, if if things get going right and they get their tempo and their timing and their pace, I think you can you can put damn near anyone in there and you know they're gonna be able to be pretty successful so i'm not yeah i'm not 
yeah, threat level is, you know, I don't know what it, whatever you call Minimal. it, zero or mm-hmm. the opposite or ten. I don't know. I can't. Remember, I forget. Uh, the, the, the DefCon's uh, always the, the DefCon thing's always. I think the lower it goes, the more. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, so it's like DefCon. I mean, to me, it's like DefCon Eight. Like, okay, so you're 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 fine. So it's like that's average. That's like everyday stuff. It's mm-hmm. like it's spring ball. Like I know we didn't have spring ball last year. I know that, and I know it's important to have spring ball so guys can develop and and they need it. Do you have a lot of guys develop? But again, it's spring ball. Um, now it'd be maybe a little different if this was fall camp. So uh, I'm not I'm not concerned whatsoever. Jay, we'll we'll hit uh, next week with you on some some NFL draft stuff and then kind of get your perspective and experience on it. So Jay Moore will be back with his next segment to hit on some NFL draft this week, kind of fine tune his story about the NFL draft next week. Jay was a fourth round guy in the 07 draft reminder about moving West blue realty makes that happen for you. They take care of you, and they specialize in residential home sales in Lincoln and surrounding communities. Give uh, Tom Luby a shout today, 402-540-3768, or Kelly Hofschneider today with West Blue Realty, 402-202-2312. It pays to work with West Blue. Log on, westbluerealty.com, 1120 K Street, Suite 200. And we're back. Fellas, I think we could... Listen to the radio. On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Talking some spring ball and some NFL with Jay Moore, Blackshirt Husker NFLer on Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, Before we get you out of here, I want to get a thought on this comparison and Gabe Irvin, Brandon Jackson. Brandon was your teammate. He was phenomenal. He really helped carry the football for you guys. Yeah, to a Big 12 championship game appearance. And I would, I've not seen Gabe live. He didn't practice last Saturday, but it sounds like, okay, that's that's kind of a, a comparison. And what's that mean to you, knowing how good Brandon was and was a good teammate of yours? Yeah, it's, I mean, sounds like that's when they're describing him, that's kind of the first guy I came to mind. I mean, Brandon was a freak of nature. I mean, the young very young I think he was he might have been 17 when he first got to Nebraska just a young kid and just a physical specimen just strong and like not even like he worked at it strong he was just God gifted like I don't even know if he lifted that much like country strong Mississippi kid yeah just like yes yeah just like whoa like horrible horrible technique (laughs) he got better technique over but he'd be like oh you know, he'd be benching 315, you know, a handful of times. And, like, you know, he's, he's kind of flailing all over the place, but he's doing it. And it's just like this guy's a, you know, a freak and just squatting a, you know, a semi-truck load. Mm-hmm. Horrible technique early on, but he just was able to do it because he was just so uh, gifted and strong. And plus he had the, the quickness and agility to go with it and uh, was able to play the true freshman. So he had the maturity and the mindset uh, to deal with some of that stuff and, he came from a tough background in Mississippi, so I, I know um, he struggled with some stuff. But I mean, yeah, he was a hell, he was a great guy, hell of a teammate, and you know, really good football player. Obviously, when you're drafted in what the second second or third round, second round, after junior second, year, yeah, and second round, Packers and, yeah. yeah, and win a Super Bowl. I mean, that's uh, he, he's he's a big time player. Jay Moore's with us, Hale Varsity Radio at uh, Jay Moore forty four on Twitter, and uh, the More To It podcast. 
Jay, uh, we'll uh, get you out of here with, you know, who's the one can't miss for you in the draft? Who's the one guy that you'd be, uh, you can pick any position, any position group. Who's Jay Moore drafted oh. next week? Oh, man. Uh, ooh. So I think we talked about the kid out of Oregon last or last Sewell? maybe a few weeks ago. Yeah. yeah, I think he's he is phenomenal. I mean, and I don't know maybe because I was watching ESPN yesterday, but I mean, Devonte Smith, man, he's money. <laughs> it's, he is good. I mean, again, receivers are tough because you have to have a, a again a good old line to protect the quarterback, so you can give him the ball. But you know, because that's what he always had at, at Alabama. Mm-hmm. But I tell you what, I don't. He is. He's just kind of another one of those Alabama guys. You just plug and play when he's in the league. You know the, you know the Judys and the. You just go down the list. Mari Cooper. Uh, I mean, you've got yeah, you've Mari, got so yeah. got so many Alabama Julio. I mean, and then you've yeah, got Julio Jones. That's the other guy I was thinking of. So, yeah, I think he's he's pretty dang good. You know, I don't know. I the quarterbacks. I know Lawrence gets a lot of attention in Fields mm-hmm. and and Lance. I don't. I'm not like always. I think I think Lawrence is will be good if mm-hmm. he goes to Jacksonville and gets Urban. I think he'll be fine. You know this whole epilepsy thing coming out about Fields. Is, with yeah. with Fields is very interesting to me. I think it's obviously he has no issues. He's done medication and you know and Alan Fanica played for for many years having that and with the Steelers. So, mm-hmm. uh, but I think it, it's I man. I tell you what in this in this business and I've seen it. It's all about going to a good organization and, and getting. And getting coached the right way. There's there's a lot of bad organization and bad coaches out there that just kind of think they don't have to do much and throw you in there, and, and guys get overwhelmed and they don't get coached the right way, and all of a sudden, you know, they get labeled as a bust or whatever. But you know what? They weren't a bust. They just, you know, they just had bad coaching and a mm-hmm. bad organization. So that's that's the biggest thing. You got to look at your organization. So a lot of times, the guys who go to good organizations I mean they they're you're usually going to be successful, and guys that go to crappy organizations struggle. So, you know, that's that's kind of the nature of the business. But I, I, I think Devontae Smith and, you know, the Suwata that's coming out of Oregon, I think those are your top two guys in my opinion. Micah Parsons, there's so many red flags, and I don't know if that's a lot's being made up of it, so he'll slide. But I saw him all falling all the way down to 29 at Green Bay, which is nuts because he was supposed to be a top five pick. I see him going 11 overall to the Giants. There's anonymous people within the Giants organization that say despite his maturity question marks, the guy's kind of an a-hole. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but they called him another version of OBJ. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. I mean. Yeah, it's interesting. He's so good in 4-3 and 6-4 yeah. and, and 250. You've seen him play. Micah Parsons can ball, but, man, you worry about him between the ears as far as not, not being a problem or being, being a guy who can make smart choices. Yeah, and he, you know, he obviously sat out this last year, and you know, that's uh, you know if that was the right move or not. And uh, yeah, if you opt out, I mean, listen, I mean, you know, it's he's going to be a first round draft pick either way. It's still a hell of an accomplishment. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's interesting. You know, maturity issues are always that's always an issue. And when you have some maturity issues, you need to go to a really good organization. Otherwise, you know, there's he's he's it's going to be a problem. So you know, a Packers organization is really good. You know, for guys like that, a Patriots organization mm-hmm. is really good for guys with uh, with issues like that. You know, you start looking at the Jets and you know the Redskins and you know some teams that I, I don't think are great organizations. Mm-hmm. And those were guys kind of 
struggle. So, sure. you know, that's hopefully he goes to a great area. Jay, uh, enjoy the golf. Thanks for the time. Yep, you got it, Smitty. You know, when we talk maturity issues, no one had maturity problems when they played for the great Montana Tech coach Bob Green. Control early. Kind of like when you get married. That first day, your wife takes control early. And that's what the Ordeggers did. Our football team was like the kid that plays second French horn in the school band. We got to play better. Uh, you know, and that's a double-edged sword, you know. Uh, it's kind of like uh, watching your mother-in-law go off a cliff in a Cadillac. <laughs> you know, she's, she's got mixed feelings. First of all, they got after it hard. I'm telling you, they were like a hobo on a ham sandwich. They were going hard all the way. He's like that black lab on the first day of pheasant hunting season. He was pulling at the chain. We're kind of like a woodpecker in a petrified forest. You know, just keep busy and look for opportunities. I wanted to raise my kids using a depth chart. Can you imagine that? I wanted that. Pam Green vetoed that idea. I got a short memory, just like when I was in the third grade, two of the best years of my life. I don't like that bottled water. I like that butte water. You get to eat and drink at the same time. Some aspects look like we're really ready to play. A couple of other aspects look like we just got off Willie Nelson's tour bus. His attitude's positive. He thinks he could take on hell with a squirt gun. It's kind of like that T-bone steak dinner with all the trimmings. They played a complete game. You know, with Jacksonville, what more can happen? Jacksonville's so bad they sentenced prisoners to attend the games. Uh, everybody expects you to win. Uh, my wife couldn't go to church with me on Sunday, and everybody said, where is she? I said, she doesn't go out with losers. I had a 6 ACT in 1967. Uh, one time I got an A and my grandma beat me for cheating. And all the calls I made on fourth down all those years, you know what my favorite fourth down call was? What? Punt. It was the most successful play we had. There he is. Montana Tech's Bob Green making the rounds on Twitter today. 9.4 million views today. God, that guy's hilarious. That's just like perfect football coach right there. Oh, it's great. Take on hell with a squirt gun. (laughs) Mixed emotions with the old mother-in-law going off the edge of a cliff in a Cadillac. (laughs) We'll wind down a Friday. All right. I'm going to get me a Montana Tech sweatshirt. Hail Varsity continues presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Good stuff today. Jay Moore, Bill Dolman, Derek Peterson. Tomorrow, the weekend edition commences 7 a.m. Mark Cranach, Chris Schmidt. Elijah Herbal will be sleeping in. It's a Damon Bar Saturday. I will not be sleeping in. I'm umpiring tomorrow morning. What time? Eight? Uh, you have to be, I have to be. The game starts at nine, so I'm supposed to be on site at eight thirty. Okay. So I'm got. I got a, a little triple header going tomorrow. So good work. Where you at? So I start out at Northeast, and then uh, Lincoln Christian was was uh, in dire need of umpires tomorrow. So I have permission to show up late to Lincoln Christian because uh, my first game should be overlapping on mm-hmm. their game, and then I'm just going to show up whenever I can. So. Going to be a good little triple header. I probably shouldn't have indicated where I'm going to be because people are going to be throwing some personal attacks at me now. Before that would have happened anyway. (laughs) So Nebraska baseball doing all right. Povich got into some trouble last half inning. Picked off a guy, his second. And then also uh, got a double play ball here to strand more runners for Sparty. Top of seven now. Huskers up 4 nothing. 
And uh, Will Bolt's got his guys going. They're talented, but they're locked in. They're as good between the ears as they are in the field. I'm jinxing them, of course, and at the plate. So they, they're playing high-level baseball. Yeah, and it just feels like every single time they go out there, it feels like the offense is going to do enough to put across at least five runs. Um, sometimes they get up close to that 10 mark, but somewhere in that 5 to 10, it feels like the offense is good enough to, uh, to put up that many runs a game. So if the pitching can hold the opposition to less than four runs in a game, mm-hmm. I mean, the, this Husker baseball team should beat all these teams in the Big Ten bar maybe Michigan. Well, Michigan's next weekend. Can't wait for that. Then you got Indiana looming, and there's no uh, Big Ten tournament. And uh, the NCAA, because why not jump the gun, has uh, come up with their plan for College World Series attendance, 50% capacity outdoors in late June. Uh, I think the world should be vaccinated. I kind of kid, but not really by the end of May. Well, I feel like anyone who really wants a vaccine by the by June is going to be able to have the ability to get one by June. Yeah, if the College World Series field is like 50% SEC like most years, uh, there's going to be some fighting going on if they can't go <laughs> to, to TD Ameritrade. I can't wait to get up there. I hope our friends from Blur are doing the old tailgate party to do some shows from up there again. But I mean, the thing about 50% capacity is that will harm the, the primetime games and the championship series at the end. Mm-hmm. I mean, most of those like afternoon matinee games, you're probably filling up TD Ameritrade about 50% anyway. But once you start getting to that championship series, that, that's going to be some, some hot commodity tickets. Assuming it still stays at 50, I wouldn't be shocked, though, if that number could change between now and June. Well, you should let Omaha make the call. How about that? You know, so... We'll see. Uh, weekend plans. You're umping both week, both days? Uh, just umping tomorrow. Sunday is my sister's 16th birthday. Oh, good. Have so. you taken time to help her with driving, or have you stayed the hell away? Um, I've offered. I'm like, hey, if, if you don't want dad teaching you, I know he's not a good teacher. Like, <laughs> he taught me. I'm well aware. Like, I, I'm, I'm a call away. Just let me come to And she is, she is not taking me up my offer just yet. So, uh, yeah. Uh, it's probably okay. I'm probably not the best driving teacher anyway. Cause I like my, my whole advice is just like, don't hit anything. Don't hit anything and be confident. If you're going to go through that yellow, go through that yellow and don't think twice about it. You know what we're going to do? We're going to get uh, Montana, former Montana tech coach, Bob green on next week. He's boys with coach Elward, Jimbo Hansen with the assist there back at you on uh, tomorrow morning at seven with hail varsity. Thanks.